This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Fall is upon us, but at the turn is still going. We don't mind those leaves in the fairway, Nick. Speak for yourself. (laughs) What's up? Hey, we've got a great story for all you folks 25 and older. Dave McAdams, colleague of Nick's, just an incredible story about qualifying for the mass mid-am and how he is linked with the golden bear, Jack Nicholas. That coming up in just a little bit. Nick is excited about a dumb skins game that I certainly don't care about. We're going to talk about that. Fall golf, Nick hates it. We'll uh, figure out why. But, Nick, we must start with the third best quarterback in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. The best announcer CBS has ever had. And nearly the first professional golfer to make a cut on the PGA Tour. Professional football player. Yes. Oh, yes. You You said golfer. Well, Freudian slip there, I'm afraid. Okay, so Antonio Tony Romo, two under in the first round of the Safeway Classic, was in the top 35 of that event. Now, Nick, I'll be honest. I kind of knew he was playing in this event. It was not on my radar at all until our dear mutual friend, Brian Romy, texted me you must be freaking out about Romo (laughs) immediately I pulled the car over to the side of the road I checked the PGA Tour app to see what's going on and I see my guy made five birdies on Thursday beat Phil by a few shots he's right in there and so I basically dedicate my Friday to Tony Romo and uh you know I feel like I missed the party I was disappointed all I did was see him shoot 40 on the front he needed to shoot even on round two of the Safeway Open to make the cut. Didn't do it. Um, your your experience with this, your takeaways, your thoughts. Well, first, the, the first line of this is he beat 12 guys in a PGA Tour event. This is not the Corn Ferry Tour. It's not the Feeder Tour. This is the big tour. And he beat 12 guys in over the course of two rounds. So that should not be lost on anybody. So, I mean, that's, that is an incredible feat. Um, plus four for 36 holes in the PGA Tour event. Um, I just think that can't be <laughs> overstated. The, the biggest difference between PGA Tour players and guys like Tony Romo and Steph Curry is the, the highest score 
that like a regular tour player can shoot really is going to be like 74, 75. They're not going to like hang those high numbers. Romo was on the verge of, of not breaking 80 for a little while on Friday. Um, and, and that's going to happen for, for those types of guys, for amateurs, for like really good players who are not PGA Tour players. So obviously a 76, not a bad round, or what, 78? 76. 76, okay. So not a bad round, not a bad round. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing, certainly nothing to be ashamed of. Um, it's one of those things where if Romo would have shot 76 and then shot 70, would we have a different taste in our mouth? Because he shot 70 early. It was early on Thursday. He had an early, late draw in this tournament. And so we had a lot of time to sort of think about all the artists. <laughs> you Google Tony Romo golf. <laughs> it is out of control how many articles and think pieces there are out there about Tony Romo. Um, you know, is he going to leave CBS Sports? You know, is Romo going to try to be a PGA Tour golfer now? Is this just his life because he is this great of a golfer? Now, well, was that question the- not on your mind? Like, if no. Romo wins that event and gets a two-year exemption, which is essentially a three-year exemption because he gets the rest of 19, well, the rest of 1920, which ends in, like, 11 and a half months, then the next two years, you don't think he's going to p- try to parlay that into, like, a, a career on the PGA Tour? Now, I'm going to check the um I'm sure he drafted up his resignation sure. to CBS on Thursday night and was like, just in case, I've got this ready to go. I got an opportunity I could not pass up. Uh, I'll see you guys in a few years, potentially. I'm, I'm taking my life on tour. Now, I'm going to check my notes. Did you say Tony Romo beat 153 golfers in this tournament or 11? Which uh, one was it? He, he beat 12. He beat 12? He beat 12. Okay. He beat 12. So, I guess my <laughs> but he But he could have. Well, he certainly like, could have, The way have, people Nick. were talking after Thursday. I, I, I'm, in, I'm in Thursday afternoon mindset right now, not, not Sunday evening. Okay, okay, great. So we're still on Thursday. Tony Romo <laughs> shot two under, which, let's be honest, is probably one of the best outcomes he could have had for this tournament. I mean, it's not like Tony Romo is out there grinding every single week trying to play professional golf tournaments, right? Like, he's not playing a 25-tournament schedule. He's well, out there hanging with Jim Nance. He's probably playing a couple times a week. He's got three small kids at home. I mean, the man's got a lot going on. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about, was it the Byron Nelson, where, like, hey, if he doesn't break 80, like, this might be his last chance that he gets a sponsor exemption. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about him giving up his broadcasting career and being full-time PGA Tour. Now, I'm one of the biggest Tony Romo apologists you're ever going to meet. I never considered the fact that he would be leaving CBS Sports to pursue a (laughs) career in professional golf. It's fun to talk about, Mm -hmm. and I guess... I want to take a bit, unless you have more to talk about this, the uh, specifics of the Safeway tournament, I kind of want to broaden this discussion about Tony Romo and celebrity golf a little bit. Yeah, do it. So Tony Romo is 39 years old. He turned 39 in April of this year. So in the year 2030, he will be eligible <laughs> Love it. for the Champions Tour. And the reason I bring that up is that other athletes have had brushes with success on the senior tour, the champions tour, whatever dumb sponsor that's going to have 10 years from now. So as far as Romo compared to like the best celebrity golfers. So I have, I have a very short list of kind of the, kind of the cream of the crop of celebrity golfers now and all time. You ready? Okay. 
Okay. So the kind of the masters of celebrity golf is the American Century Celebrity Golf Classic they have in Tahoe. That's <laughs> you like compare, the, you just compare the American Century Celebrity Golf Classic to the Masters. Well, sure. I mean, Nick, to be fair, the Corner Club Open is the Masters of the Palouse. So there are Masters yeah, of... There's no doubt about that. <laughs> different, different locations for <laughs> the Masters. Of the celebrity world, yes. This is the Masters. This is where the best celebrity players come and every year try to show their stuff. So Romo wins it this year. He's the back-to-back champion. So he's won it a couple times. He's played in a few other PGA Tour events. This is by far the most successful he's done. So Romo, obviously one of the top celebrity golfers. When we think of celebrity golfers, obviously... Do you get host... a green jacket for winning the American Century Celebrity Golf Classic? No, I don't think you do. <laughs> no, okay. Just, just I checking. Fi- I did find some wild pictures of Romo holding the giant trophy, though, that were hilarious. <laughs> um, Steph Curry. Star of ABC's Smash Summer Hit, Holy Moly, fun for the whole family. Um, you know, he's had some respectable showings in the Web.com tour events. He's had plenty of top 10 finishes in this American Century Celebrity Golf Classic. So he's in there as well. Justin Timberlake, he had his name attached to a PGA Tour event for a little while. I think he was playing at the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship, a pro event they have at St. Andrews over in Europe. That was going on this week. He's thought of as one of the best celebrity golfers. Here are the top two that I found, Nick. Number two, Mark Mulder, two-time Major League All-Star, pitcher for the A's and the Cardinals. Now, the spot that one of the sickest curveballs delicious there was. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He competed in the Safeway Open last year. Now, he was actually one under through 12 holes, and people were all getting excited. Now, he didn't do very well. Ended up missing the cut, but He's also a three-time winner of the American Century Golf Classic. Now, he won 15 to 17. Now, Romo's kind of taken over the mantle as, like, you know, big swinging dick of the celebrity golf scene. So, I will put Mulder at number two. Number one is, it's not even close. The best celebrity golfer of all time. Do you know who it is? Did you look at the, the, the I, sheet and sheet? I got it right in front of me. So okay. you're just gonna have to lie. I, I can't even I can't even pretend like I'm just gonna guess. Okay. Uh 16 years as a major league pitcher with the Dodgers, Pirates, Yankees, and Strohs during the 70s and 80s, all-star a couple of times. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in career earnings on the champions tour, including three top ten finishes. Incredible. That is incredible. Eight time winner of the American Century Celebrity Golf Classic. They've only played this tournament 30 times. He's won eight of them. <laughs> His last time, most recently in 2009, the runner-up that year, Tony Romo. Really? Yeah. Wow. 22 top tens. 22 top tens for Mr. Rick Roden, the best celebrity golfer of all time. If I'm wrong, I did as much research as Google would allow <laughs> on celebrity golf. I found Rick Roden. I know there's a lot of people who are at these events. Jack Wagner, the soap star, was big into this stuff 10 years ago. If there's a bigger celebrity golfer who has a better resume than Rick Roden, please let us know at at the turn pod on Twitter. I would love to see where those other golfers are. But, Nick, that's kind of the, the path I see for Romo. He's got 11 years to be Rick Roden. He's got time. It's true. The The most impressive part about Roden's golf resume is the Champions Tour stuff because that is – the 
tour. I mean, the American Century Celebrity Golf Classic stuff is is nice. It, it's fun. It, it's whatever. But it's not, it doesn't show how good of a golfer you are at the top level. The Champions Tour, that is the world's best tour for people of that specific age. Uh, and the PGA Tour, obviously, where Romo could have made the cut this week, but didn't. That is the world's best tour. So it, it really shows how elite he is. It's not, not just great for a celebrity, but great for anybody on this planet. Yeah, that's exactly right. He, he was competing with great stars. I mean, uh, his prime time in the Champions Tour was the early part of the century. He's 66 now, so it was uh, you know the early aughts. He was competing when Hale Irwin, Irwin was dominating and, uh, and all those guys in the early 2000s. So, yeah, very impressive stuff. I hope, I hope Romo tries, man. He's got 11 well, years. Romo's going to have to contend with Tiger and Phil by the time he gets out to the Champions Tour. Uh, I, I was thinking uh, <laughs> Joe and Nikki. I mean, I got, uh, I got 16 years till I'm eligible. I got time too, baby. I got time to figure it out. There you go. Okay, so Romo, congratulations. Missed the cut by four, but still a very good showing in Napa. Hopefully he drank a lot of good wine. Um, Nick, I'm, I'm just going to hand it over to you for this Skins game. What is, what is going on here? Well, this is just more informational for our listeners. They should know there is an official Skins game coming up October 21st featuring Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, and Hideki Matsuyama. So it is kind of like the 2019 version of the match. you got Tiger Woods in a made-for-TV golf event. This one's kind of different, though, because... It's more of a worldwide event. You got four players, Joe. You, you could not care less. You're like, I could not care less, but keep going. No, I mean it's not. I, I, you've got obviously Hideki, Jason Day from Australia, Rory, and Tiger. So you've got like a global interest in uh, in these four players. It's at the Zozo Championship over in Japan. The thing about it is, it's going to because of that global audience are like literally trying to market a, go- a golf tournament that's live globally. So it's going to start at eleven o'clock Eastern if you're watching it on the East Coast of the United States. Yeah, eleven p.m. Eastern. So um, probably not a ton of East Coast viewers, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of the way that it shakes out. They got they got to play golf when it's day when it's daylight, and uh, <laughs> they do. <laughs> Here's so, thing, yeah, that, that's coming up on October 21st, and it's just basically a skins game with those four. Um, so, yeah, it will not be pay-per-view. It's on Golf Channel here in the United States, so no pay-per-view. You know what? You know what this event has none of? A lot of things. <laughs> it's got no sex. There is no sex in this event. What? I want you to tell me one thing. <laughs> Don't tell Tiger that. He may not <laughs> show up. <laughs> tell, tell me one thing interesting about Hideki Masayama. Uh, at the PGA Championship this year, he high-fived my wife, and now he is her favorite player. <laughs> is that a true story? It is, 100%. Damn, that's a good answer. Okay, well, Iris in that, but I guess my point a is— A beautiful swing. An interesting swing. Um, <laughs> pauses at the top Who for at least that level? <laughs> one revolution of the sun around the earth. Um, so here's what I don't understand. What what made Tiger and Phil interesting as a made-for-TV event as they is they're contemporaries. They've been rivals for a long time. The whole idea that Tiger and Rory are rivals is dumb. No. Rory no. and Tiger are not rivals. Jason Day, kind of a nutcase. He's a great golfer, sure. Incredibly boring, kind of a weird dude, just like Hideki. Rory is interesting. Tiger is interesting. The pair of them together I don't find interesting at all. Um, you know who 
would be interesting in this event. You put Tiger versus John Daly, everyone watches this event. Everybody. Yeah. These, aren't, these are great players. They're, none of them are interesting besides Tiger and Rory, and they're not interesting together. They're interesting separately. Right. No, that's absolutely correct. I, I also thought maybe what if you send out, you know, a kind of an undercard, Romo versus Steph Curry. For just throw it out, just throw it out. I don't know. So just like, so just like a second match out there. Just yeah, exactly. Just so when the the action's kind of a little in the action, you just you bring them in. It kind of brings in different fans because people who are not regular golf fans might be more interested. I don't know. Just just be just be kind of fun. I just think that we are kind of at a point where the best players in the game aren't very interesting. Brooks Brooks is interesting, but not in sort of a made-for-TV sort of way. His competitiveness and his ability to win majors, that is fascinating. But Rory is still, to me, the most interesting golfer, but he's not winning the biggest tournaments. So I don't really know if there is a made-for-TV event that would necessarily I, get me I think excited. There's, I think there's some guys you could put out there. Just thinking of players off the top of my head – I think I think Brooks is interesting as a player because of just kind of the personality, his aura that that he's kind of that he kind of has the the, the comments he makes that he knows he's going to draw headlines for. I think Bryson is interesting, kind of for the same reason, but almost like the opposite. He's a lot of guys hate him. He's got his antics. He's 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 easily hateable. Yeah, so I think I, that's interesting for TV. I, I mean, think. Sergio is interesting. I think Patrick Reed is interesting. I think Walter yeah. is interesting. I mean, yeah, there's plenty that, of yeah. guys who are interesting who would be good. You know who wouldn't be good is like Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas because they're all buddies and Ricky Fowler. Like they don't have enemies because they've got this polished personality. So they're not going to go out there and in like have legitimate controversy. So, I mean, that's why the, that's why that was the appeal of the Tiger Phil thing. But it was so manufactured that nobody was buying it and that playoff was so dumb they had that 80 yard <laughs> everybody shot. turn on your headlights and shine them on the putting green which is like going to now serve as the tee box i liked i like where you went there with uh, patrick reed and sergio and polter we got to get some villains there's too many exactly. good guys exactly you know you know who's making a push who's also in that villain category the last couple of years we talked about him in the last year or so in this podcast rory sabatini so since we talked about him in his effort to qualify for the 2020 Olympics, I've seen his name in the on the first page of a few leaderboards. I'd like to check in and see how his Olympic qualifying is going. Now, I, I forget which country he became a resident of or a citizen of, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in those Olympics. Yeah, no. To <laughs> I guess the difficult thing about having a... Uh, it's uh, Slovakia, by the way. Mm. I think that um, a, a difficult thing about having the premise of a hero versus a villain and all that sort of thing is you have to have someone concede they are a villain. And with the exception of Patrick Reed, I don't know if anyone else <laughs> is willing to say, yeah, I'm an asshole. Go ahead and portray me that way on this made-for-television event. This exact same thing happened at the turn of the century. You had, I think it was Tiger versus David Duvall was the first one. They had this big made-for-TV event, and it was quasi-successful, sort of like Tiger versus Phil. Then they changed the format a couple of times, and it kind of petered out. 
And I think you're going to have the exact same thing. Now, they had the Skins game for a long, long time. It was tradition that it would happen over Thanksgiving weekend. And they called, you know, Fred Couples dominated this thing. But it was Freddie and Jack and Lee Trevino and all these legendary golfers. And I think if you just keep it simple and don't try to manufacture like, oh, Tiger and Phil are going to have all these side bets and all this garbage, like, do one or the other. Make it like a normal skins game like you used to be. Do it on the Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. Or do like the Tiger versus one person thing. Don't constantly try to tweak the format. People like things that are routine. And if you have the same thing the same time of year, then I think you have the opportunity for a made-for-TV event to be successful as opposed to getting Jason Day and Hideki Matsuyama to try to now look I'm a big golf dork I'm gonna watch this I'm not gonna like it but I'm gonna watch it <laughs> I just don't think it gets a lot of people out of their seats and it's not gonna be like the talk of Twitter like Tiger versus Phil was right but that's the whole thing is maybe not maybe Jason Day and Hideki Matsuyama aren't doing that here in the United States but that's the whole reason for these four players specifically is each person is drawing in a part of the world so we're gonna watch because it's Tiger Europe is going to watch because it's Rory and Asia is going to watch because it's Hideki. And then, you you know, so so for that reason, you you're drawing in a larger audience just than like, you know, who the matchup is. It's more about the players in each part of the world. So my ugly American is showing a little bit is what you're saying. A little bit, but it's a little okay. bit. We'll let it slide. Um, but what do you think? I mean, it's the second year in a row they've tried something like this. I think it's a point of emphasis that they're going to continue to have these, especially as Tiger ages. Do you, do you like that they're at least trying something? No. <laughs> I, truly. I truly do not. I know that I, that, that kind of feels like a cop-out, but um, I get it. I get why these made-for-TV events are done, but I also kind of feel like it insults golf fans' intelligence, like that we're going to be suckered in by some sort of new made-for-TV event, and – Again, I feel like I say this every other podcast. I don't give a shit how much money a player wins. How much money a player wins makes no difference to golf fans. That does not make golf exciting. The Masters makes golf exciting. Great competition makes golf exciting. This is not great competition. This is made-for-TV garbage that these players don't care about. Roy McIlroy does not care. If he wins this, he truly does not, nor should he. It means nothing. It means nothing. I am going to watch, though. All right. Well, you ready to move on to fall golf? Because I think that that's the last word on the Skins game. <laughs> it's meaningless. Uh, so, Nick, I actually agree with you. Um, uh, based on the notes that you have here, it looks like you're not really a fan of fall golf. No, I, I, I that's not entirely true. I like fall golf. I like any kind of golf and the weather doesn't really matter to me. I've got, I've got rain suit. I've got pants. I've got vests. The temperature not going to bother me. Um, but I mean, it's a thing we're right now. We, we, it's, it's either golf, it's either fall golf or no golf. So yeah, we'll play some fall golf. I think for me, it's the leaves, man. When I think about fall golf, I think about hitting a shot just in that first cut of right rough. Miserable. Never finding it. Never seeing that ball again. <laughs> it's it's terrible. And I think I agree with you. Fall golf is better than no golf because it's some version of golf. But I think fall is my least favorite season to play golf in because 
I still sort of have the expectation that I'm playing a version of summer golf when I'm playing something a lot more close to winter golf. So mm-hmm. when I sneak out in December and play around, hey, I'm happy to be out here. I'm going to lose some balls. My score is going to be terrible. My, my feet are going to be cold and wet the whole time. Maybe I got a little whiskey in me. Maybe I'm having good time with friends I haven't seen in a while. If I go out and play a round next weekend, it's, it's been pouring in, in, in Oregon. But if I go out and play a round of golf next weekend, my expectation is, oh, baby. Oh, let's shoot 68. Let's get out there and do something. First tee shot I hit, like you said, into the right rough. It's either plugged or lost under leaves. And then I'm like, why do I even come out here? I could be on my couch couple of deep <laughs> watching football. What a waste of time this is. So I think it's, it's so, just that's so true because the expectation is in the fall it's, a, it's an extension of summer golf and if there's anything left unaccomplished on your to-do list for golf goals that year, oh you it's now or never baby. You better do it now. And you don't find that first tee shot, that's out the window. The next 3 hours and 55 minutes are just worthless. Yes. Not, yeah, you're exactly I mean, in the right. Spring, in the spring, and plus you get on the greens and there's millions of leaves and, and pine needles, and which is fine. There's nothing you can do about it, but it just it it's just different. In the spring, you're happy to be out there. A bad round doesn't mean anything. You've got the whole year ahead of you. It's no big deal. If you, if you post a good, you always have that one like early good score, and you're like, oh my god, this can be the best year yet, baby. Let's go. <laughs> that never happens in the fall. No, and fall another is thing is, <laughs> and I never, it, fall is full of disappointment. And one thing I never think about until it actually happens to me is when I hit a good approach shot. Let's say, best case scenario, I find that first tee ball. It's in the fairway. There's no mud on it. Oh, let's stick this baby close. <laughs> I hit one to like 12 feet. I get on the green. And what do I find? But a bunch of sand, and this green has been punched. No one in the clubhouse fessed up to me. I paid (laughs) full price, and now it's four hours of misery because I'm not going to make a single damn putt. That is the worst. Call your local golf courses in the fall. Make sure you ask. you got to find out, people. You don't want to head out to your favorite muni, find out that it's punched. Call ahead. you got to call ahead, Nick. Yeah, that's so true. That's fall golf for you, but it's better than no golf. (laughs) play some fall golf boy that was a good sales job we just did right there oh baby i don't don't hate fall golf but what do we have anything else before we get to your pal um well we did a a big solheim cup preview you don't have to do a complete wrap-up but uh 30-second wrap-up is United States was in position to win in the last three matches. They just needed a half a point, lost all three in kind of epic fashion. Uh, Susan Pedersen buried like a, I don't know, nine-footer where it was, if she made it, they won the cup. If they missed it, she lost. And she, oh, she made it. Oh, it was, it was epic. It, it, it was fun to watch. It was good TV. I was glued into the last day and a half of it. So, Nick, I've, uh, I've contacted the local post office um, because I've been expecting – a vice umbrella because if if you folks didn't listen to the Solheim cup preview, we bet one vice golf umbrella. Nick took the United States of America. I took the European union. And as it turns out, I was the winner. So (laughs) I've just been looking for this vice umbrella. Is it on the way, my man? Uh, You know what? I haven't been able to get in touch with my contact device, but I'll I'll get to you as soon as possible. I I know it's been raining out there. I I will not delay much longer. (laughs) Okay. Well, folks, look, get out there. Play some fall golf. It is better than no golf. 
though it is the fourth best. It's look, it's the fourth best season to play golf. Congrats. Well, to if you get to play in, in December at all, I mean, out here in New England, that's from November 1st to April 1st. You can forget about it. Yeah. Well, let's listen to that. How long you lived in Massachusetts? You already got the forget about it. I love it so much. <laughs> Promo code Mulligan, M-U-L-L-I-G-A-N, vicegolf.com. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Balls, tees, umbrellas, whatever you want. Nick and I had the pleasure of speaking to his colleague who qualified in really incredible fashion uh, for the Mass Mid-Am. Um, a really, really fun story. He was a really fun guest. And I guess we'll uh, we'll close that the uh, the pot off with him, Nick. Sounds good. Enjoy our interview with Dave McAdams, and uh, we'll we'll be back at you before you know it. We'll do a big preview for uh, the Skins game. Joining us now is my colleague at the New England PGA, Dave McAdams. And Dave recently played in the Massachusetts Mid-Am as an alternate, and Dave has. Uh, a pretty awesome story that I think a lot of our listeners can probably relate to or dream about relating to. Um, so, Dave, we're going to start at square one. You were an alternate for the Mass Mid-Am. So I want to go all the way back to your qualifier. Sure. What what shot was it that, that made you an alternate and not just qualifying outright <laughs> from your qualifier? Oh, man. Well, of the, uh, the 77 that I took that day... Um, <laughs> It was, there's a bunch of them. I mean, I made a triple and a double. So that right there, you could just narrow it down to either of those two holes where you were just five over par for no reason. Uh, but I would say eight and nine, I actually lipped out like a 360 lip out on each hole for par and ended up coming in a shot short of getting an outright. So that was kind of, I guess, the story of how I ended up as an, as an alternate in the event. I thought when I shot 77, I was like, there's no chance I'm, even close to qualifying or, or even being an alternate for this event. And lo and behold, it played tough that day, I guess, and ended up being a shot out. And uh, the rest is history <laughs> getting into this event now. <laughs> so for folks that aren't familiar, uh, the mid-am means you have to be 25 or older to actually play in this event. So I, I've tried to qualify a couple times unsuccessfully in Oregon for the mid-am. And okay. kind of the beauty of it, at least from my perspective, and Dave, uh, disagree if you want, is that all those annoying, like, 19, 20-year-old college stars that are going to go out and shoot 64 and just blow the do doors off the course, we don't have to worry about those guys anymore, right? Isn't that kind of the advantage of doing the mid-am? Uh, well, yes, it is. Um, but uh, as, as I, I'll tell, and as we get to the actual event, uh, the championship proper, as those in the State Golf Association would call it, uh, 64 is still lurk out there, uh, which I didn't think was possible in the mid-am ranks. But, um, yeah, it's, it's basically the 25 and over set guys who are, quote-unquote, working stiffs. Uh, old guys. I mean, I saw so many, like, New Balance and Nike, uh, like, white, you know, whatever you want to call them, like, Psych Ward 6s or, uh, like, Yard Work 12s. Like, those shoes that just, you see those guys and they look like bowling <laughs> shoes. I saw, like, four pairs of those in the parking lot before I even teed up, and I was like, man this is where we're at now. Like we're just kind of the old, the old dudes. So, um, it is, that's kind of the, the gig, but, uh, there's still a lot of good golfers out there for sure. So you're an alternate for the mid am and your, your strategy at this point basically is to just show up and, and, and hope you get the call. 
Uh, yeah, pre- pretty much. Uh, it was so I ended up being the way they do it in mass is all of the alternates from all the sites get random drawn into their order for the alternate spot. So I was number 12 alternate and um, ended up getting down to second alternate before the tournament. So I was kind of like, I was kind of a coin toss of like, do I show up? Do I not show up? And uh, happened to just talk to the tournament staff beforehand. They said, you have a decent shot of getting in. So I decided to show up that morning. I was there at seven o'clock and uh, you know, could have gone out at any time, but I was basically hoping that the other guy who was in front of me, the number 11 alternate, who was now number one, didn't show up. So he wasn't there all day, and I was now the first alternate on site. So I was basically just waiting for somebody to get a flat tire or oversleep or who knows what uh, to kind of give me a spot into the event. How did you kill the time, Dave? <laughs> um, it was kind of uh, it was kind of weird. It was just a weird feeling, like all day. Um, I mean, getting there at seven o'clock in the morning, you know, felt like. I should be kind of like having those pre-round nerves, but I didn't have the pre-round nerves. So I was just trying to kill the time and just keep myself occupied. So I went to the range first thing. Um, kind of a funny story. When I got to the range, I was my, I hadn't played in a little bit, so like a few days, and uh, my clubs were filthy. So I went to clean my clubs. There was a bucket of water right by the range. And I pull out the first club, whatever for whatever reason, was my 9-iron. And I was like, man my hosel looks a little like the hosel and like the ferrule looked like they were spread apart a little bit loose. So I'm like, hmm, that's kind of strange. So I start pulling at the nine iron head and it's completely comes off. So, you know, like my vibes going in is like, hopefully I get, <laughs> you know, a shot to play today. But then right off the bat, like 10 past seven, the head of my nine iron falls off. And I'm like, I felt like I was in dumb and dumber. Like our head, our pets heads are falling <laughs> off. You know, <laughs> it's just like, what is going on here? So, um, that was the start to my day of like killing time. I happened to text a, uh, a system pro who was there. I was like, Hey, do you guys have any epoxy on site? Can I, can I get this like head put back on? And maybe if I get out today, like maybe it will be dry enough to use. Um, uh, so that was kind of how I started my day. I warmed up for like, I don't know. I mean, I probably hit balls. I went to the, the short game area first, probably chipped and hit like pitches for like 45 minutes. Then went to the range, did a full session over there, like went to the putting green, putted for longer than I ever, ever putted in my life. Uh, I was like, I was like bored. I'm just like looking around and like, I knew some guys that were playing and you just, they're just kind of like looking at you. You're looking at them like, oh, okay, like you guys are going out to play. And I'm like, mm, maybe I'm going out, but probably not <laughs> at this point. Um, so that was kind of how I killed my time for the first wave. And then no call ever came before 930. So I happened to be down the street from a Starbucks and went and did some work between two waves and uh, got a, got a you know, largest coffee I could get, which was awesome for my nerves and like, <laughs> like a, a Trenta iced coffee just to really get my jitters going and uh, went back to the course at like noon. That was the second wave and uh, again, did a full warm up again <laughs> for whatever reason and just trying to stay loose and punted a bunch and uh, ultimately I end up getting a call into the field. So it was kind of a, it was a very strange day in terms of like playing competitive golf and getting into that mindset of like, okay, I'm going out to actually play golf and, and compete for a score. So you, you 
thought the morning wave would be your your opportunity to get in because this course is pretty close to Boston, if I'm not mistaken. So you're yep. thinking the traffic, like you said, that that could be unpredictable. Somebody oversleeping. That's when all the chaos is. The afternoon, you should have your shit together by like a three o'clock tea time in order to, to get there for the for the state medium. Like so, at this point, you got to be thinking like your chances are are getting pretty low, right? Uh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought for sure, like getting there at seven o'clock in the morning, I was like, this is when it's going to happen. So that was why I warmed up like full intent to go out that morning, thinking that somebody was going to get a flat tire or get stuck in traffic around Boston or somebody's kids going to wake up puking or like something that <laughs> mid ams would have to deal with. Like when you're in the end, like you get these college kids are playing, like that's what they're doing all summer is playing golf. Like they don't have any other worries in the world. But for mid-ams, there's all sorts of things. Boss calls, you've got to get in a conference call, you've got to fly to Tokyo. I don't know, like stuff happens. <laughs> and, okay, here I am on site. This did not happen in the morning. So I was just waiting around and then thought in the afternoon, I was, I was just going back, like going through the pleasantries basically, waiting on like a 99.9% .9 chance that, you know, it was not going to happen, but that one-tenth of a, of a percent that somebody was not going to show up. And sure enough, uh, it happened. So it was kind of funny, like when I was getting ushered out to the tee, um, one of the officials from the Mass Golf was was kind of funny. He was like, oh, like this guy forgot something at the office. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, like, did you guys like actually talk to him? Like, you know that he's trying to get over here to get make his tea time? And he's like, no, like, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking like that's what happened. And again, like that's the mid amp <laughs> thing is like it was a totally arbitrary, like random thing. He's like, Oh yeah, I think he forgot something at the office. I'm like, uh I don't know. Like you've had this on your calendar for weeks. You probably yeah. had your affairs in order unless something came about. So I hope everything's okay. Shout out uh Sean Pettengill who didn't show up for his time. <laughs> uh I owe that guy a coffee or something. Okay, so you get the call. You're in the golf tournament now. So how much time do you actually have between when you find out you're going to be playing and when you're on the tee? Um, <laughs> so for the actual like tee time, it was probably negative minutes. <laughs> so it was 121 was my, was my group. Well, that was my starting time. So at like 115 or 116, I remember just like I was getting ready to pack my stuff in. I was like, there's no chance. There's three groups left off each side. Everyone's shown up. There's people all over the place. It's not going to happen. So I was just kind of getting like bored with putting. I started to put my stuff in my bag, and I hear a call over the radio. They had a scoring area that was right by the putting green that I was on, and it sounded like a somebody isn't here call. And working in golf, I kind of know what those calls sound like <laughs> when you're like an official looking for somebody on the on the golf course. So. Uh, I started to pack my stuff up with like a greater intent of walking towards where I was going to be going. And uh, one of the officials there was kind of giving me like an eye, like he was looking around, like, where's the alternate? So I kind of understood that I was potentially going to be going at least out to the tee with the possibility of teeing off. So all this is kind of shaking out. I didn't get any like official, you know, your point or like, like the, the thumb, like go quickly. I was just kind of taking it in my own hands. So I eventually went over to him and I said, hey, what's going on? Is somebody not here? And he said, yeah, we're looking for a guy. He might not be here. Why don't you start to move towards the shuttle? Because the T that this guy didn't show up for was 10T, which is across the property on the other side of the golf course. 
Perfect. So it wasn't like number one, which is right there, which would have been very easy. Uh, this was across the golf course. So by the time I got in the shuttle to go over with Kevin, who's the, the lead uh, tournament director for the Mass Golf, it was basically the tee time. So it was like one, call it 119, 120, that we started to head towards the, the 10th tee. Wow. So we're driving over. He's like, look, the guy's probably not going to show up. When we get you out there, I'm just you're going to tee off, and then I'm going to drive you, and we'll catch up to the group. So by the time I teed off, it was like, I don't know, it was probably four or five minutes after the tee time. And you just walk up, and there's an official there. Everyone's smiling. The next group is already on the tee, so there's three guys there waiting. And they're like, all right, go ahead. And I'm like, okay. I'm like trying to mark my ball. I'm grabbing tees and like, you know, <laughs> ball marker. All these things you've like, been doing for the previous eight hours. Yeah, for the previous eight hours. Like, now why, why I didn't have these things in my pocket ready to go, I have no idea. Because I was literally on site basically from 7 a.m. But I just never thought it was going to happen. I was literally getting ready to leave the property. So sure enough, they, they do all the pleasantries there with basically me and a rules official. And he's like, here's the local rules. Gave me a couple notes and was like, you're on the tee. So I just had to kind of get into tournament mode right then and uh, and go from there. So it was it was definitely an interesting situation. Tell us about that, that first hole. The first hole couldn't have started any better, I would, I would argue, <laughs> um, based on the circumstances. Uh, so I have Arcos in my clubs, so I, I track my rounds as I play just to see like where you're hitting it, how far you're hitting it, your three putts and up and downs, all these things. So I hit a 343-yard drive off the 10th tee. Now it's downhill, so that certainly takes it into account, but I, I hit it as good as I could, uh, just in the right rough. It was a par five. I hit a pitching wedge on the green to eight feet, which I was like, okay, like this is a pretty good start. At, I roll up at there. At this point, you're thinking McAdams by a million. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Where's right. the trophy? Like I started, yeah, I started the event like the worst odds you could ever start. Turning it out, I'm like, all right, boys, like here we go. This things are looking good. And then I three putted from there, uh, oh. par, which was awesome. Yeah, I was like eight feet above the hole, which was pretty much the story of the entire first round. Was me being out of position when it came to approach shots into the greens. And this place, if you ever played a Don Ross golf course, you know, like, you can get the greens fast. The rough around the greens is thick. And it's just, you just have to hit good golf shots. And, uh, yeah, so three-putting from eight, eight feet for par was certainly okay. Taking a par out of the gates, I, would, I was fine with it. Uh, but it would have been nice to start with a three or even a four right out of the gates and, uh, again, get off to the races. But uh, like it's kind of those kind things of, you learn, I guess. It's kind of symbolic of, like, the whole – mid-am experience maybe in the whole the whole day just like there's no other yeah. way that first hole could have gone well i mean i should have been ready for it because you think about mid-ams like you guys are playing like when you can squeeze in rounds you've got you know you've got kids at home like work obligations you're, you're not like you're not for the most case now there's some guys who have jobs allow them to do it but for the most case you're just you're playing when you can you're practicing when you can like you're just gonna roll to bed and kind of go do it so I should have been a lot more primed, uh, I guess, for that situation, but uh, it's still it's a little bit different when you're in a tournament setting. For sure. God, so for folks listening out there, um, this is obviously a crazy story. You spend, what, six hours before the round preparing, distracting yourself, doing what you can. Um, can you, I don't know, maybe maybe give a little advice to folks about playing in 
a competition like this? Because this is something Nick and I kind of talk about. I, I kind of encourage folks to listen to the show, even if you don't think you're necessarily going to qualify or compete for a title in an event like this, to get out there and play in these sorts of competitions, it's just a whole different experience and from just playing your normal weekend round with your buddies. So can you, can you kind of just talk about the virtues of playing tournament golf when you can? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly different. You know, everyone talks about, well, there's golf and then there's tournament golf. Um, I've been fortunate to be around it through, through my, my job and, and work. So I've seen a lot of golf tournaments, a lot of good, uh, players, um, you know, been fortunate to play with some good players over the years and kind of see how they act and, and what they do on a, you know, on a event by event basis. Uh, it's definitely different, but being in the, in the actual moment yourself, I think is, is definitely different. And I mean, I'm probably the first person to ever be on a podcast for shooting 160 over two rounds. Um, so I'm certainly, yeah, you know, thank, hey, it's thank the you journey, for, not for the destination. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, but it's, it's definitely different. I mean, you, you get on the first tee and you have those jitters and, and even, you know, you talk about people who have jitters when they're playing with their buddies and you, people are on a first tee or whatever it is, but when you've got to put every shot in a hole, uh, and you know, you're, there's actually something that's on the line, a trophy or, or any kind of hardware or recognition, it's definitely, uh, different and it kind of gets you feeling, uh, like there's something heightened about it, which is, as I was saying to some of the guys that I was playing with, um, that's why we do it. You know, it's not, we're not playing for money. We're not playing for, you know, any, any notoriety, you know, unless you guys are playing for, you know, like some of the guys like a Matt Parziali, who's in the mid-am circuit is a local guy. Um, those guys are an upper echelon from, from the mid-am circuit around here, but it's, uh, you just play it cause you like to compete and you know, there's a pride behind it. So, uh, it's, it's definitely different, definitely gets your attention. And that's why I enjoy it. Whether you shoot, you go out and shoot, you know, eight under in a round, or you shoot eight over. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's more just about going out and trying to compete and see how, how well you can do against the course, against yourself, and keep the uh, the candle burning, I guess, for your competitive spirit. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time for sharing your story, and it's awesome that yeah. uh, you, you got in. And I think no matter how it finished, I think that that's a, a mid-am you'll always remember for sure. Uh, no, no doubt. It was, it was the first one I've ever tried to qualify for first one I've ever played in. And I'm going to leave you guys a little bit of a golf history. Uh, I've only off the top of my head, no two events that anyone has ever won by 15 shots in all of golf history. Okay. It's the one that I played in the, the winner, Nick Macario won by 15 shots Jeez. and it's the 2000 us open at Pebble beach, which yeah. Tiger Woods won by 15 shots. Do you know, Two people who missed the cut by six shots in those events. Two people who missed the cut by six shots in those events? Correct. So one in, in this mid-am that I played in and the other in the uh, Pebble Beach U.S. Open in 2000. <sighs> Did Phil miss the cut by six at the 2000 U.S. Open? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. You want it? You need it. Okay. So this is where, this is where greatness of myself kind of intersect in the, in the annals of <laughs> golf history jack nicholas and myself both uh, missed a cut by six shots in an wow. event that was won by 15 shots so i'll always be able to tell people that jack and i have something in common wow 
There you go. <laughs> How about that? You didn't. You didn't. That was gonna was be. That was gonna be my guess, but I, I didn't <laughs> want to embarrass anybody. So there you go. Wow. Wow. Jack's last open, and you and the and me and, together, together, immortalized in golf history. <laughs> Hey, man, thank you so much for sharing your story. That was great. We appreciate Uh, it. Thank you guys very much. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.